You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 199 and 200! Whoa! It's a wild ride going through this book. And it should be a wild ride. 100 episodes. 100 episodes, 200 days. If you've gone this far engaging the story of God, you're 200 days. You only got 165 more days to go. Woo! You guys, we're close. We Don't give up now, because if you do give up now, you'll get a really bad understanding of the story. You'll feel <laughs> like there's no hope, and we're all devastatingly lost. Because, uh, you know, that's what Amos is talking Sweet about. Sweet Amos. Let's talk about Amos. All right. Where are we today, man? In today's Old Testament reading, Here we go. which is the book of Amos, chapter 6 through 9. Here comes Amos, the old shepherd. And fig dresser. He's a fig dresser. He works with his hands. He's not in the school of prophets. He just says it like it is, straight from the words, the mouth of God to you. And he's here to say, you better repent. Of the Lord is a coming, and justice is rolling down like a river. <laughs> you are blowing people's speakers today, Matt. That's amazing. It's so true. <laughs> what does it say? It's like the Lord uh, prepare. Oh, here it is. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. And that's good news for us because we love God, but not so good news for rebellious Israel, who wants nothing to do with Him. So, chapter six. Mm-hmm. I guess we just need to get through it here. Um, basically, Amos says, look what Assyria has already done. And he names these, these cities and just straight up says, these cities are all stronger than you. Mm-hmm. So why do you think, do you think you're going to, right now, see, right now it's a good time. They're yes. enjoying prosperity mm-hmm. because of the, 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 the attack of Assyria has diverted kind of the Syrian and all the surrounding mm-hmm. places attacks. So they're feeling good in the last... I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years. But uh, Amos is saying, hey, man, this is coming from the north, and it's going to be horrible for you. Woe to you who feel safe in your wealth. Yes. And he even does a confusing kind of allusion to David, doesn't he? Like, you guys sit around making songs all day. Yeah, and so, but again, he's, it's like an ironic comparison. Right. Because they're probably comparing themselves to David, but he's like, yeah, David... Gave everything he created to the Lord. That's why this book is this <clears throat> this letter from Amos or the recording of Amos's ministry to the king of of Israel really is so great because he's like, you compare yourselves to David. You're nothing like David. Mm-hmm. In fact, you guys are drinking wine out of bowls because you use these bowls full of blood and wine like in your worship. He's yes. like constantly. Uh, you're not grieved about how you've been unjust to your people. Mm-hmm. And you're always like, we are the first ones. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's anything, it's like, give it to me first. And so Amos says, you know what? You're, you're right in that. You are going to be first, even in exile. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the first ones to be led to a faraway land in the north. Don't worry. You'll be first. Yes. And then uh, he uses this idea of wormwood, this unnatural... Uh, kind of thing which corrupts what is good you guys have become wormwood wormwood and you lack fear of the lord yeah and then he there's a again there's a lot of um word play that we're kind of missing 
yeah. uh, as we read this, but he says, you who rejoice in Lodabar um, and say, have we not in our own strength captured Karname for ourselves? And Lodabar is a town. <clears throat> there are two towns. There are two cities that they have captured recently. But Lodabar means nothing. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> Karname means two horns. You are Lodabar to me. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and so Karname is a... Two horns is like a, the, a, the idea of strength. And so they've captured it with their own strength. And they rejoice in nothing. And so he's like, this is, this is just who you are. You're, you think you can trust your own strength. Right. And yet you really rejoice in nothing. Yeah. And that's going to be what you end up with. And as a result, uh, there is... He just straight up in chapter 7 starts having visions and we'll explain things but I think the end of six he says a northern nation will raise up will mm-hmm. rise up against you mm-hmm. and then uh, in chapter seven and eight there's these well let's just do seven he has yeah. a, vi- a vision of famine and talks about the locusts coming and how the king will take the first mowing in other words the mm-hmm. king will get whatever's there and you will starve and the king does not care that you're starving yes uh, you'll be eating grass. And you're so everyone's so complacent in their wealth right now, they're having a hard time believing or wanting to hear Amos say this. But Amos is saying, you know what? And after this one, so he gives locust and fire. Yeah, and both times Amos uh, begs to the Lord. He intercedes for the people of Israel. And again, this is kind of showing the heart of Amos because he's from Judah. Israel is at this point Judah's enemy. Like they're not on good terms, and he's he's re- he's begging to the Lord, Lord, relent. They're so small and they can't withstand the plague of locusts that you're going to bring on them. They can't withstand the fire that you're going to burn them with. And the Lord relents. Remember, this is a vision too. So I used to read this thinking, is this what's happening? No. No. This is in the times of wealth. Amos is there to say, this is all going to happen. They can't believe it because things Mm -hmm. are so good. They feel so secure in themselves. But even in that kind of complacency and arrogance... Amos is saying, Lord, the people are too weak for this, and yeah. God hears. But what there, you don't have this repentance thing after the plumb line because God, this third vision is God shows up with a plumb line showing how the walls of Jerusalem that used to be straight and perfect well, are, walls of, Israel. of Israel sorry, <clears throat> uh, are all corrupt. Mm-hmm. And Amos can't really repent for that. It's like... Yeah, and this time That's the, just the, the Lord's like, I'm this time I'm not passing them by like I did with the locusts and the fire. Right. This time I'm holding them to the standard. The and, standard and the plumb line again is God's law. Right. The law and the people who were given the law, who were chosen out of all these mm-hmm. families, have gone crooked and and forgotten all of it. And so And then he drops three prophecies on that. Like Oh yeah. He's like the high places of Isaac shall be made desolate. The sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. So again, the high places are where they do all their false worship, like out in nature. And then the sanctuaries of Israel are Dan and Bethel, where they have the golden calves of Jeroboam 1. Thank you, Jeroboam 1. And, uh, and then... Uh, Jeroboam 2 is in the line of Jehu, who went around and killed all of Ahab's line. And Jehu was given, the Lord said to Jehu that he'd give him four generations for his service. Time's up. And uh, Jeroboam is generation three. Yep. And so uh, his son gets assassinated and ends the line. Well, as a result of 
these visions that Amos reports. And, and he kind of gives preaching again in Bethel. And so he's telling Israel all these things. The uh, high priest, Amaziah, res- responds by accusing the prophet. I don't know if you knew this was in here. He, he accuses Amos of what all the prophets are accused of, including Jesus and Paul, we just read mm-hmm. in Acts, of insurrection. Yes. They don't have a real thing to accuse them because they invited the prophet to tell us what the Lord says because mm-hmm. they have manipulated all that and only want to hear good news. And when they, he brings bad news, they say, oh, you're against the king. And so uh, Amaziah accuses Amos of an insurrection and says, leave Judah, you because bur- his name means burden. You're a burden to us. Go mm-hmm. back to Judah. Leave the king's sanctuary, which I thought was interesting. Yes. No longer leave the, leave the Lord's house or the presence of mm-hmm. God's people or anything like that. It's like, just leave the king's sanctuary. And mm-hmm. do not preach anymore. Which they also said to the disciples. That's why they all rejoiced when they yeah. when they were told not to preach anymore. It finally makes sense to me. When uh, in so in Acts, when the disciples are told by the the leadership, don't yes, preach yes, anymore. Yes, yes. They go away rejoicing because they're suffering like Jesus. Mm-hmm. But they're rejoicing because Jesus is the prophet of all mm-hmm. prophets, and all the prophets were told to shut up. Mm-hmm. And so when someone says shut up and stop talking about Jesus, rejoice. You're in the right line. <laughs> so reading this passage, uh, some things started clicking for me. Yeah. Of like just how our relationship with God works and um, the reality of our situation is this priest of Bethel recognizes Amos like and what he's saying are the words of the Lord. Right. Like he's not denying that they're actually from the Lord. And he, should, he calls him a seer and tells him, he doesn't say, stop prophesying, you shouldn't be prophesying. He says, go stop. prophesy elsewhere. Right. And so he recognizes that he is that the things that he's saying are from the Lord, and these are really words of the Lord. And so thereby, this priest is condemning Israel and just saying, we do not want the words of the Lord right. here. We recognize that they are the words of the Lord, we just don't want them. Right. And so thereby, thereby, they condemn themselves. Exactly, because you're saying we want the presence of God and the word of God to go away from us, thereby leaving you open against any enemy and, or surrounding enemies, or you're on your own now. Right, which then leads me to my next thing, is oftentimes we have this idea where when we see people acting evilly or uh, just like they f- rejected God, right. we want them like, they want, we want like an immediate, uh, like almost like karma punishment. Right. For them, but like oftentimes, why is God allowing oftentimes them to do we'll that? see twenty to fifty-five years as Jeroboam too has fifty-five years of reigning, and apparently his reign was a really epic reign for that era. And this idea, though, is like, but they were wicked. Why were they comfortable? Why were they successful? And I was reading this and going, oh, well, as people there is a certain extent that we can gain comfort for ourselves, but that comfort is always temporary. Mm. So they get 55 years. They are in total rejection, but they get 55 years of comfort. They get 55 years of good, good stuff is going down for them, but that comfort is temporary and not lasting because you can only get what you can get for yourself, right. well, and that's it, limited. But even within that comfort, it's a sometimes referred to as natural grace. God mm-hmm. gives grace yeah. to evil and the, the good, like the mm-hmm. rain falls on the crops. And so they're enjoying the grace, the general grace of God 
through nature mm-hmm. and everything. But, but when you reject the word of God, I mean, the, the prophet says, God says, therefore, without the prophet speaking mm-hmm. truth to you, you're going to be alone. There's to a terrible future. There's prostitution. There's death of children, right. the loss of land, exile. Assyria is on their way because you've not only rejected the word of God, but you've sent <clears throat> the word of God away from you. Yeah, and you're relying on your own strength. And your own strength will fail you. It will run out. There is an end. But if you trust in the Lord, your suffering will be temporary. Right. But your life and your joy with the Lord will be eternal. eternal. Yeah. And so I pray never to despise. I mean, you read this and you go, God, help me never to despise your word. Mm -hmm. I never want to push it out. Well, in chapter 8, he goes on, there's a vision of a basket of summer fruit. Mm-hmm. It's very nice, right? Yes. Oh, except that uh, this basket of summer fruit, which at first appears like Pentecost, like a harvest. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've reaped the great harvest. Actually, is a, it's again, it's a, a vision of you're going to lose all this. This you're, is the end. It, this is actually your judgment because a famine is coming. Um, because you've rejected the words of God as the people of God. There's famine. People will uh, wander, and all who swear by the guilt of Samaria. So he basically talks about Dan, uh, Beersheba, um, and Bethel. Bethel. So the places of worship in Mm -hmm. Israel, not to God, but to golden calves and things, he says, will never rise again. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking, this is the first time I can remember where the idea of, and I think, in this, these next chapters, it really is, um, it's already been doing this, but a play like the negative David and then mm-hmm. the positive David. Mm-hmm. Like you're playing music, the negative David. Mm-hmm. David was the positive David. And, and so you think about, we are the people who will rise again. Mm-hmm. Or you're the people who reject God and you will never, like there's a promise from the prophet. You, you are so proud of your guilt, then you will never rise again. Yes. I don't know, I just thought, your fruit basket is false god. False god equals destruction. Mm-hmm. And in this case, they're being called out for worshiping material wealth, I think, and supporting oppressive systems and mm-hmm. cheating each other and despising the word of God. And um, Yeah, I love, there's like a little, it's in chapter 8, right, where he talks about um, you can't wait for the festivals to be end over. Yeah, so like this idea of Pentecost well, even the festivals were turned into, this is when we're going to make all our money off the, yeah. the stupid people. Yes. So they're coming for Passover, they're coming for Pentecost, and we're going to scrape the leftover, the th- what do they call it, the threshing on the floor, mm-hmm. and we're going to put it in with the real wheat to make the wheat seem bigger. Yeah. Like we're ripping them off uh, in every yeah. way possible. Like why so, do we have to rest and worship the Lord? We just want to make money. Right, we want to make money, and we're ripping people off. Yeah. So they're all coming to celebrate, and this is our chance to make money, which also gives us an idea of why Jesus, like his, he had a historical argument mm-hmm. for um, turning over the, the tables in the temple when he was around. Yeah. So there's no assurance of ever rising again. Now we think of resurrection, but they're thinking too, like we've been down, but we come back up. Mm-hmm. Like they're all the cycles of history. Like, yeah. oh, so Assyria will take us over, but then we'll come back. We'll come back. And the prophet's saying, no. No, you won't. You will be like, Sodom and Gomorrah, these mm-hmm. places that do not bounce back. Yeah, you are not going to bounce back from this. And in fact, they're... Okay, so this was cool. He says, he, he gives the day of the Lord is coming, mm-hmm. and he lists a few things, right? Uh, which is, again, the judgment of God. 
And so he says, On that day I will make the sun go down at noon, darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning, all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist, baldness on every head, and I will make it like the morning for an only sun and the end of it like a bitter day. Right. And he says, Behold, these days are coming, and I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, but a famine of the word right. of God. Which Gone. Which is crazy. So one, he's saying, there's going to be a famine of the word of God, which we know happens. There's like 400 years where God is not speaking to his people. <clears throat> but I was also thinking of the day that Jesus dies on the cross. Right. All those things. The sun goes down at noon. Uh, it's right at the Sabbath, like the, um, the big Sabbath feast, right. uh, Passover feast. And that turns into mourning for the people. Um, but a mourning for the only son, as yeah. if your only and son, the only son of God of dies. The only son of God dies. And then a famine happens to Jesus, a famine of the word of God. Cause on the cross, he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken right. me? And he experiences the famine of the presence of the Lord on good. the cross. And so that's the day of judgment as you experience these things and now jesus on the cross experienced those things for us it's beautiful so we don't have to so the end of amos ends with a fifth vision or there's a sixth vision too i think but uh, everything's kind of in sevens i thought but anyway this vision is about striking the capitals Mm. like the tops of the shrines and Mm -hmm. everything crumbling and killing everybody like there's the temple of bethel (laughs) but the temples and these places and it's, a, again, a twist and a turn of irony. There's no place to hide. So yes. these are the places where you want to meet with your gods, and they're going to be thrashed, so you want to get out of there, mm-hmm. and there's no place you can hide. So it's the, I was thinking of uh, Psalm 139. Yes. Where it's like, where can I go from the presence of the Lord? Lord? You form me in the mm-hmm. hidden parts. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go to, you know, wherever I go, you are there. Only it's almost the same thing, but in judgment. Mm-hmm. So it's like... What does he say? I will fix my eyes upon them for evil and not for good. Mm-hmm. And then he lists the same thing as the psalmist. Like, you cannot hide from the judgment of God. Yes. It's so funny, though. It's all, it depends on your perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So for us, people who trust in the word of God, it's a comfort. You can't hide from me. Where can I go from the presence? I mm-hmm. can't. Oh, thank you, God. But when you are rebelling against him, you don't want his word. You're like, oh, how can I get away from this God? Everywhere yeah. I go, he's there. And that's what's happening for Israel right now. And uh, the prophet is saying, dude, the eyes of God are on you. Then there's like another vision of a sea, a sieve, I think, where it's like, I don't know if it's an actual yes. vision, but it's like, a, mm-hmm. he says, you know, hardly any of you are getting through. He says, no, no pebble shall fall to the earth. So he's like, you're right. They're he, done. Yeah. He's like, like shaking Israel and saying, none of you are coming out of this. Yep. But then he drops, but there will be a remnant of Israel as a whole nation, right. as all 12 tribes. There will be a remnant of that. But as Israel, the northern, like the 10 tribes, no, you guys are done. The remnant, though, will be Judah. Right, because so you're going to die. So you insist on living your life on your own terms, arrogantly spurning God's will for your life, then you will face judgment. Yet... And this is the end of Amos. Mm-hmm. The very last little sprint here is actually really hopeful, but not for the kings of Israel, like you <laughs> no. said. So, and the key is, like, how do you know that? Well, in verse 11, it says, In that day I will raise up the what? The booth. The booth of? David. David. 
like that's what that's what Israel should be hearing. Like what? You mean I knew he'd be raised up? No, no, you're not raising up. All your tribes will be lost forever. Yeah. The only one will be the booth of David, and then you talk about repair in the breaches, raise up its ruins, rebuild it as in the days of old, and. All the nations who are called by my name That's will be crazy. restored. So what that means is he even says Edom. Mm-hmm. So Esau becomes the whole people of Edom. Mm-hmm. And they are mean. And they hate. In fact, we'll read a prophet who's telling the Edomites, stop fighting us. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, Obadiah or something. Yeah. And uh, Edom is awful. But he's saying, look, I'm going to restore a remnant through David to all nations, mm-hmm. even Edom. Mm-hmm. And all nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord. Now, if you can remember, Abraham is the father of all nations. Mm-hmm. And that from the very beginning, the goal of even the covenant with Abraham was to save all families in the world that they yes. might become heirs of Christ. That's in Romans. Mm-hmm. Heirs of the world, all nations. So what Israel is hearing by Amos is, you aren't special anymore. <laughs> You're out. But now you, just like every other nation needs to look and wait for the Messiah, the Savior, who will restore and rebuild through the line of David. Mm -hmm. So look to the line of David. Yes. That's all you have now. Mm -hmm. But here's what the line of David will restore. And it's really beautiful. He's like, um, the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes. uh, Of him him who sows the seed, the mountains shall drip sweet wine and the hills shall flow with it. I'll restore fortunes. I just like that idea. Like mm-hmm. the new creation through Christ Jesus is abundance, is uh, everything made right, mm-hmm. re- restoration, deep roots, deep land. All the characters come into place of God, man, and the earth. So, Whew. rebuilt. And here, how is it going to be rebuilt? By the preaching of the seed of David. Mm-hmm. So be looking. But how are you going to miss it? By despising God's word. So yeah, you're going to miss out on your inheritance and everything uh, if you ignore the word of God. Amos, you are amazing. And then... uh, Thanks, Amos. Thanks, Amos. And according to uh, Jewish tradition, it's not found anywhere in the Bible, but uh, it should be noted that in Jewish tradition, Amos was then clubbed to death by the priest Amaziah. Yeah, it sounds like Amaziah got the last word there. Thanks, Amos. But no one remembers you, Amaziah. <laughs> I know. Poor Amos. If you or I were Amos, <laughs> you not just... Okay, if you were Amos, uh-huh. not only would I think you've been a colossal failure and wasted your life, but your parents and everyone that loves you would think the same thing because it's just tough to be a prophet. It is. And it would be literally 4,000... 2,500 years later, people are like, you know what, Matt? He was all right. He was all right. And even those of us who've studied the Bible our whole life, it takes like your sixth time reading the Bible really diligently to go, I get Amos. Oh, cool. Because usually we just read through it so fast going, I can't believe I'm reading the Bible. (laughs) And we don't understand what Amos is talking about. And we're just looking for some nugget of wisdom to give us. We're kind of missing it. But we got it this time. Thanks, oral tradition. Thanks. Yeah. All right. So let's go through... Uh, a New Testament reading. A New Testament reading. Where are we today, Matt? Our New Testament reading for today is Romans chapter 4, verse 16 through chapter 5. Well, if you thought Amos was confusing, 
You're gonna love Romans. <laughs> Romans is so good, though. I mean, it. People have spent their entire lives breaking this book apart. In fact, Romans is the book that gets Luther and the Reformation going about mm-hmm. uh, grace, and uh, and so it's a it's a very complicated book, but it's also very basic. It's everything. It's, well, I almost feel like though it's like continuing the discussion of Amos. Right. And well, that's what I was about to say, is that in light of the whole scripture, yeah. it does become a little more simple and accessible for us mm-hmm. if you can keep the whole story arc in place, yeah. which is there have been tribes of Israel and Judah, and now those people, have we have seen the Christ come. So now we're picking up the root of, or the, uh, the booth of David has indeed risen and mm-hmm. called all nations... So now what do we do? And it takes a great scholar like Paul um, who assumes you're all kind of connected to this story. You can't imagine, you know, how we approach the Bible in the 21st century. You know what I mean? Like, he can't imagine we'd we'd be using it as like a self-help book, randomly flipping open pages to tell us if we should buy Nikes or Adidas. Um, So he can't imagine anyone using it that way, but we do. And so he's saying, let me put it all together for you. And the Lord forgives you for using the Bible like a magic eight ball. But you should ask for forgiveness, by the way. (laughs) Um, So we're glad you're here. It's about time you got the real story. So uh, Paul, though, is, remember, he's trying to assure both sides you're a part of this in Christ. Yeah, Gentile and Jew. Right. Because Gentiles go, look, the tribes of Israel didn't even make it. Mm -hmm. Maybe the Jews are right. We need to, like, do what they say. No, you're in Christ. Yeah, and he's saying, well, even Israel rejected God. Right. They, you all, you are all in need of the Messiah. You are all in need of someone to save you because you all have rejected God in some way. And so the promise of Abraham and his offspring, we already did that part, Mm -hmm. but he goes on with Abraham and he's saying, this is why it all depends on faith. Yes. That the, the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring not only just the person who keeps the law, but those who share faith with Abraham. Now, here's the part. I, I almost just have to read these verses. I know. They're so helpful because he says, um, oh, he even talks about Abraham being the father of many nations. Mm-hmm. But he says, who gives life to dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist? In hope, he believed against hope, he being Abraham, that he should become the father of many nations As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Mm -hmm. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. And so he goes on that he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. And it's counted to us too, not for his own sake, so that all who believe... So he says, it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard for me just not to read it and go, isn't that beautiful? But we got to talk about it. I'm so encouraged by that section about hope against hope. So for instance, right. we have a church. What and, and I think of Abraham, like, how do I build a church? How do I get people to love Jesus and right. change their lives? Yeah. And then get them to come and worship God if they aren't already doing that. And even if they are doing it, how do I do that? Well, do I, how do I do that work? Yeah. 
Well, and a lot of times it's hope against hope. Mm-hmm. It's like you do the little things you can, which is uh, we preach the word of God on Sundays. We invite people. We yeah. pray for people. Make a website. Make a website. <laughs> do a little youth group. Do whatever. You do like these yeah. basic things, but you know they are not enough. Mm-hmm. But see, Abraham is doing, what is Abraham supposed to do to start a nation? He needs to be intimate with his wife. Mm-hmm. What else can he do? That's the small little step he's supposed to do. Just keep doing that. But, you know, for 25 years, it's not working. Hope against hope. He's like, okay. And he tried to figure it out other ways. We try to figure it out in other ways in church, too. We get in people's faces or we, I don't know, we do podcasts. We do whatever. (laughs) But what is so great is the faith is counted as righteousness. You believe. Do we believe that God loves his church? Yes. yes. Do we believe yes. there's power in the word of God? Yes. Yes. So we do the little things and we wait for God to bring forth the fruit. That's faith. Mm. So our righteous works is we do the little things God's put in front of us. We do something as crazy as praying mm-hmm. or sharing our faith when no one wants to hear it. And God creates the baby. Mm-hmm. The problem is most of us don't hang around for 25 years to give people a shot. I had that thought. I was jogging yesterday and I was like, that's what I want to tell people. I'm like, hey, if you come to my church... Will you hang out with me for 25 years at a minimum? Because that's how long it took God to give the promised baby to Abraham and his wife. So will you at least give God 25 years to bring forth something in your life under my ministry? Maybe. Yeah, no. (laughs) But But there's all these jobs with money that are telling me to travel. But so Paul's whole thing is... This is the righteousness now. So stop boasting and trying to figure out who thinks right and who does right. No, no, no. You're hoping in Christ. And then this last line about um, delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Think about this. He dies for our sin. That's Mm -hmm. our trespass. But he's raised so that we're justified. Mm -hmm. And the idea of justification is you're no longer held accountable for those behaviors. You're now made right. You're debt-free. Like, it's all been paid for on his death, and his resurrection actually is the the work that says you're justified. Yeah, so, like, thinking about, like, so he pays pays the price. He pays the debt off in death, right? But then, by resurrecting, we are now getting an inheritance. Yes. Now, we are able to share... We're not back at zero... We're now rising up with him and getting whatever he gets it's with him. That's the, that's the uh, good news of the resurrection. And, and I read this thing. It said, when sins are forgiven, only the fruit of faith remains. Hmm. So like the idea of trust, they're forgiven, and now yeah. you're justified. So what remains is our faith in Christ. Yes. So when you've sinned, you've run away from God. You've said, get out of here, word of God. I want to do something weird and mm-hmm. gross. <laughs> Get out! And then, and then you wake up. You're like, wait, come back, come back. I'm sorry. And then you're like, all I am is this sin. And what Christ does is say, no. I've paid for your sin, mm-hmm. and all you are now is your faith. Really? Yeah. It's it's beautiful. Yes. Don't doubt God's promises today. But then, so then in chapter five. Oh man, there's so much. It's too much. It's okay, time. we'll just okay. We gotta okay. narrow it down. Okay. But uh, in chapter 5, he's like, it should lead you to peace. Yes. It, le- it leads you to peace with God. And when you have this peace, you can endure, as I was like even saying 
with Amos, you can yeah. endure the temporary suffering that you'll experience in this life because there's life eternal after that. And that's the, that's the great part in this section is he does the whole thing. We rejoice in our sufferings. What? Why? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Okay. Endurance produces character. All right. I kind of go along with that. Character produces hope. See, it's leading us to hope. Mm-hmm. And what's the big deal about hope? Well, hope will not put you to shame yeah. because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So while we are still weak, at, and then he goes on, but we have the hope mm-hmm. that saves us. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that Christ, all this is real. So we endure, like, I mean, it's just what you're saying. I'm saying the I same know. thing it's over okay. again. I like you, to read. You can't say it enough. It's helpful. Uh, so uh, God shows his love for us. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you've now been justified. And how much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God? See, we have peace with God. That's that. By his resurrection, it's giving us the peace with God. Our sins are forgiven, and we rise above those sins as an identification now. We're no longer known by our sin. We're known as children of God by Christ because he rose from the dead. We rise out of those sins. Well, and then we can have peace because the day of the Lord has been poured out onto Jesus. Right. He's taken the wrath. And we rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive mm-hmm. reconciliation. Then he gets into this thing. Here's Which how it works. can be boiled down pretty quickly. Boil it down quickly because I like to take the scenic route. I don't know. <laughs> so, so he basically boils it down. Okay, you all know sin came through Adam. They're like, yeah. Yeah. If I was Adam, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Well, yeah. you would have. Yeah. Um, you did. Adam was representative of all humanity, and his sin introduced sin into all of humanity. Being the father of humanity, his sin became humanity's sin. And here's how you know that's true. You're like, why do we inherit that? How do I... I you know, people think babies are born pure. Mm-hmm. And this is harsh, but we can say it here because we're not looking anybody in the face. Okay. You, know, you know how babies are born with sin? How? Because they can die. Oh, yeah. That's it. I mean, I'm not saying they've committed a sin, mm-hmm. but they are born broken. How do I know mm-hmm. they're born broken? Because they shouldn't have been created to die. Mm-hmm. And the fact that one baby dies means we, we've inherited the sinful, broken death nature yes. of Adam. So just to solve that question for you, because I know we're always trying to figure out, well, when a sin is an action is what we believe. Mm-hmm. But according to Paul, sin is a condition you mm-hmm. are born into. Yes. And then you do act out of it. So we do choose sin and we choose to do that later, but you are born into it already. So mm-hmm. the proclivity and the leaning is to act out of that. But yes, when they're sweet, perfect babies, maybe they haven't made choices yet, or we could say crying and doing that is, but I don't like to. But I just say the fact that they can die is wrong. So mm-hmm. we know something's wrong. They mm-hmm. need salvation Yeah, from death. Okay, sorry. That was yeah, no, question. so sin entered through one man. And so salvation is now available through one man. Yes. Amen. Amen. And that's the good news. Just as we can all be sinners, we are all born into this condition of sin. We can all be rescued from this condition of sin through Jesus Christ. And I had an interesting thought. It's too long. We'll have to have a side note. But I've had different theological perspectives over my life. And I remember some people will take this to, it feels like, oh, so all are saved. Like all Mm -hmm. got death. Now all are saved. But it's not that all are saved. It's that Jesus Christ died for all. Mm -hmm. And there's a key, there's keys to this passage when he says things like, um, 
death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Jesus made it available to all. Mm -hmm. So he actually died for all. Not all will receive it. As we saw with Amos. Look at Israel, right? Not all are going to open up this gift. Not all of Israel is Israel. And so we pray for everybody, our enemies and ourselves. God, give us this gift of faith. We open up faith and we receive the gift. Like Mm -hmm. it's given to us by Christ Jesus. And so um, it's not that everybody goes to heaven and no one goes to hell. It's actually like everybody who can receive this gift, Mm -hmm. which is available to all. And again, Adam's, again, Adam's, Adam's great gift to us, death and sin, it's a form of slavery. So mm-hmm. you don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. God's gift is a choice because he's not bringing us in as slaves and forcing us. He's like, I'm opening this up to you yeah. and I want you to come to me because you see the goodness and you've mm-hmm. received the gift of faith. Yeah, Christ saves and we condemn ourselves. Boom. And that's what he's saying. And so um, the, the last therefore... Yeah. In chapter five is um, one trespass led to condemnation. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. And so all of this is to say, uh, talk about the law and uh, where sin increased, grace abound all the more, abounded all the more. And as sin reigned in death, grace might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And there is talk, too, about... um, how we know there was sin before the law was written is what he's trying to say to the Jews. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a time between Adam and Moses where sin reigned, but there wasn't the law to tell you that you were mm-hmm. sinning, but you knew you were sinning. You because, still knew. And that's my thing about death. Like mm-hmm. knowing that things die is knowing things aren't right. Mm-hmm. But the law came to help us further tighten that up. Yes. But now Jewish people in this context, it's you got to let go of how you understand things and start to see it as the righteousness of Christ. And the Gentiles, you're invited to the same thing. Yes. All right. All can receive the gift of new humanity by faith in Jesus Christ. Wow. Again, it wouldn't be a horrible thing to become more familiar with Romans. It's a great book. And Amos. And Amos. I know. Amos will miss you. You're my favorite burden, Amos. What psalm are we reading today? Today we are going over Psalm 86, verses 11 through 17. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart. And I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.